Colossians chapter 3. Look with me in verse 12. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12. The Bible says this. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. If you're saved in here, there's some things there that are important to grasp, to get a hold of. It says to put on. Uh, It says put on, therefore. And when you read the Bible, especially in Paul's writing, he'll say, therefore, and it always means he's referring to something that he said previously. Uh, I was taught like this. When you see the word therefore, look to see what it's there for. And if you back up to verse 1 in this chapter of the epistle to the church at Colossae, you see these words. If... If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. If you're saved, if ye then be risen with Christ, then he tells you to put on uh, those things. Uh, This chapter is full of practical advice uh, for the Christian if you're saved. But I want to say before I move on, you might be with us this morning and you may not be saved. It would be wrong for us to take it for granted that everybody that made it in our doors was a believer. Sometimes people come to churches because you've invited them. In reality, it's because they're searching. And they're searching for truth. They're searching for something They can trust, like I mentioned in the Sunday school hour, we're being fed so much information and uh, most of it's tweaked to accomplish whatever the person that disseminated it was trying to accomplish. And maybe you're looking for something real and I just want to say to you, welcome, you've come to the right place because here we're going to preach the word of God and that'll help. Amen. Uh, He said... Put on, therefore. And what a journey begins when you get your sins forgiven and you endeavor to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. And there's so much more. Salvation is the beginning. And uh, it's the beginning that is so very important because without it, well, you end up in hell. But once you get your sins forgiven, you begin a a lifelong journey and endeavor that requires some effort. And it's, and it's, it's a blessing because he's given us everything we need to know. It's not a mystical journey. It's a journey of learning about our lovely Lord. So when it says put on therefore, it's like your clothes. They ain't going to put themselves on. There's some effort required. And so there's some effort required for us. Verse 15 says this. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. That's the second best Bible advice I ever got. 
as a young Christian. Here's why. All decisions that need to be made in life aren't as simple as right and wrong and good versus evil. You have choices before you sometimes uh, where both options may look good. And as you analyze uh, uh, all the aspects of those options, uh, I could say maybe you'd be all right, but one will always be better. And the key to the perfect will of God, and that is what we ought to desire, right? It's to let the peace of God rule. My preacher used to say, if you aren't sure how to proceed, don't proceed till you have the peace of God. Amen. And I got a hold of that, and I learned that, and uh, I wish I was as sensitive to it in every decision I ever had to make as I'm trying to convince you to be, or as I try to be now. But it's right there, and it's for you, and it's to help you. Amen? And by the way, if the peace of God rules in your heart, not just resides, if the peace of God rules in your heart, you know what? There won't be room for bitterness. There won't be room for pride and envy and unforgiveness that works to disrupt the unity that so much emphasis is placed on. The verse goes on and says, To the which also you're called in one body. I saw a little girl's t-shirt said, uh, I don't talk funny, y'all do. That's that's cute to me because I preach from Maine to Miami, Washington to Southern California, every state in between, and Christians are so different. Different in accent, different in mannerism, different in likes and dislikes, foods. We just came from uh, 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 New Orleans area. Man, man, they know how to cook down there. <laughs> Amen. And we get a chance to enjoy it all. But the thing that's so beautiful about the body of Christ is that in spite of our differences, we have the blood of Jesus Christ that makes us brothers and sisters in Christ. My wife and I have so learned to enjoy the differences in believers. Amen. Glad that we've got something that supersedes any differences we may have. Amen? Amen? <laughs> Amen. And then the verse goes on, and this is my subject this morning, but I just like all that other stuff, so I said it. It said there at the end of verse 15, and be ye thankful. Be thankful. I want to preach this morning on being thankful. Amen. Let's pray again. Father, I am thankful, Lord, to be here today, uh, a little overwhelmed, uh, a little humbled by the privilege to stand in this pulpit and address these people that have heard, no doubt, sound preaching for many years. Lord God, help me to be a vessel, meet for the master's use, say something that will please you, be a blessing to you and to these folks. Glorify Jesus Christ. Maybe help somebody along the way with an issue they're struggling with. Perhaps even reveal the glorious gospel to somebody that's not saved here this morning. Lord God, I love you, and I come to you in the magnificent name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 
and amen. It said there at the end of verse 15, and be ye thankful. And, and that right there is indeed the best Bible advice I ever got. Learning to be thankful. Thankfulness is the very essence of Bible Christianity. And uh, I would say it's always been easy to find things to complain about. And I would also say that it seems to be getting easier and easier. I mean, things are spinning out of control so fast. But let's be honest. We all have a lot to be thankful for. If you're in here and your sins are forgiven, you're going to end up in the right place instead of the other one. That ought to supersede the cares of this life. And you know that. If you're a believer, you know that. Amen. But that wicked heart, that deceitful heart that Jeremiah wrote about will cause you to put more emphasis on the wrong thing. Sometimes we got to bring it back to ground zero. That's what I want to do this morning is bring it back to the, the need that we have to be thankful. Maybe you're in here today and you're not saved like I already said. You've got a lot to be thankful for too. Because I'm so happy to report you can be, you still can be. And our goal, our desire, our prayer is that today be your day. Amen. We've got a lot to be thankful for. And since we do, Hebrews 13 and verse 15 says this, By him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Amen. The sacrifice of praise is, is, isn't singing kumbaya 47 times. It's just feeding, nurturing that realistic admonition to be thankful. Amen. I was praying recently, and I'll just be honest with you, it was around Thanksgiving. I had been praying, and uh, and uh, really just at the time where we go home every year, I'm pretty sure it was a prenuptial agreement. <laughs> Amen. My wife says, I want to be home with the kids. <laughs> Amen. And uh, so we go home, and it's a blessing, and the Lord lets us. And uh, I was praying that morning, and I went through a lot of things I was thankful for, and and then it just was sweet. The fellowship was sweet. The tears were there. The gratitude was there. And I didn't stop with all my list. I just kept going. And and the things that I'm going to preach on this morning are things that came to mind as I went past the norm. The normal things, the blessings, the, fa- the deliverances, and the answers to prayer, and the salvation of grandkids, all that kind of stuff. You ought to be thankful for all that. But... It went, it went to, it went farther and, and that's what I want to give you. I, I, this was a time where when I got done praying, I started looking for a pen because I think the Lord was speaking. And anytime the Lord ever spoke to me and I thought, man, that was good. I'm going to write that down later. <laughs> and then I'd be like, what was that again? <laughs> so I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm, I don't, I'm not there yet, but boy, I started writing these things down. Take your Bible and go to Romans chapter five. So I'm talking about some things that I'm real thankful for. You should be thankful for too. And maybe you haven't thought about it. And so I'm going to remind you about it. And I'm sure we'll be in agreement. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 8. 
Romans chapter 5 and verse number 8. In a familiar verse, the Bible says, But God commanded his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. I'm real thankful for that. The word committed means to offer or make available. And I just was, like I say, I was praying, I was communing with God personally. And, and I just thank God for commending his love toward me. Amen. Toward me personally. And it wasn't because I promised to clean up my act and my act needed a lot of cleaning up. It wasn't because I had a laundry list of bad habits and, and I said, God, I'll, I'll, I'll quit doing a bunch of stuff. And I had a lot of things that I needed to be added to my life. And, and God didn't come in his love toward me because I promised to clean up my act or quit doing stuff or start doing stuff. That book says, but God committed his love toward all of us, in fact, uh, in that while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. I marvel at that. I know me. I wouldn't have died for me. Amen. But God did. And again, in truth, he died for all of us the same way. While we were yet sinners. Think about that once in a while. You probably had before. Think about it again this morning. Uh, God, knowing every detail of your life, still made redemption possible, available to you. And not only that, he knew how sorry you were going to be sometimes after you got saved. That's even more miraculous. Amen. I know I was a wicked sinner. The Bible says Christ died for our sins. Amen. I got my sins forgiven and now I'm on the way to heaven and I got that thing nailed down and I realized blessings of God as I read through my Bible and I see the grace of God. And, and, and then the next thing you know, some thought, some deed comes in and, and I'm like, I marvel. How can I do that? Amen. And you know, God knows all that too. Thank God he made uh, forgiveness available on a regular basis for a child of God. He made it as easy to get right with God as he made it to get saved in the first place. What does that mean? It means you need to get honest with yourself. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He doesn't say uh, if you have any sin... No, it says if we confess them because we're sinners by nature and we've got them. And we need to stay close with God and we need to stay humble and we need to stay honest with God. And I marvel that not only did he commend his love toward us in the way where he had sinners, but even as his children, thank God he loves us enough to even chasten us, like it says in in other places. Uh, Let me ask it to you like this. You ever done a favor for somebody and... Later regretted it, went out of your way and, and for somebody, and then, then they'd act like they didn't appreciate it or, or just took it for granted. I don't like that. I've done that, and I make a mental note. <laughs> Amen. I put a little check mark by that person's name. Amen. And uh, aren't you glad God's not that way? Amen. Aren't you glad? The Bible says in Psalm 103 and verse 14, For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. Amen. Aren't you glad God doesn't wake up and say, man, I can't believe they did that. I wish I'd have never saved that one. <laughs> God knew what he was getting when he saved you. That, that makes it all that more miraculous. That makes me all that much more thankful. Amen. He remembers that we are dust. You know what our problem is? Is we forget. And then we start thinking more highly of ourselves than we should. 
And then sometimes if we're Christians, then we learn to act pious and humble. But our but the reality is how we look on others is what reveals, amen, whether or not we have forgotten. You hear me? The Bible says, but God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Boy, I was praying that morning and it was sweet. And uh, man, I got a hold of that thing again and I've read it many times. I'm glad of that. Tell you something else. I started thanking God for, uh, well, go to your, go to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And look with me in verse 4. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4, it says, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. I am thankful, not just that God is merciful, but that God is rich in mercy. You might say, how rich is he? Psalm 50 and verse 10 says, For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. <laughs> Amen. And you, then you'll hear it said, and he owns the hills too. And that Bible too, it says in Psalm 95 verse 4, In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is his also. He's rich. He's the richest rancher there is. <laughs> Uh, matter of fact, 1 Corinthians 10.26 says, For the earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof. Amen? I guess if it burns up, it'll have to be him that burns it up. Won't be your hairspray, ladies. Amen? Won't be your SUV exhaust. Amen? <laughs> I, I preached a message one time that global warming was scriptural, but I got some weird looks, but I'll move on. Of all the things that God's rich in, I'm thankful. I was thankful that morning. I'm thankful this morning that he's rich in mercy. And you should be too. Amen? It says, go to Ephesians 2. Well, you're already there. Go to verse 1. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. And and it says, and you have the quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. And that certainly applies to the worst of us. Amen. I was uh, speaking to Brother Carl earlier, and we're talking about uh, a crowd that uh, uh, you, you witness to them, and, and they know they're sinners. Amen. And uh, you can just go right to what the wages of sin are, and that Jesus Christ died for our sins. It's sometimes good people that you have to convince them they're sinners. But it, the thing about being dead in trespasses and sin certainly applies to the worst of us. Uh, verse 2 says this, Where in time past he walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, uh, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. And I'm not the only one in here that can amen those days. And you ought to be real thankful that God's rich in mercy. But I got news for you. Being dead in trespasses and sins applied to the best of us too. Remember, this epistle's written... To believers, it's written to be read in a church. Verse three says this: "Among whom we all, among whom also we all, had our conversation uh, in times past, in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as 
others. Truth of the matter is, prior to being born again, everybody, everybody in here was dead in trespass and sin. And I'll say again, if you're in here today and you've never been born again, you've never scripturally put your faith and trust in what Jesus Christ did on the cross for your sin. Amen. That describes you right now. And I'm glad you're here this morning and you might be alive, well, healthy. Uh, you're dead in trespasses and sins. And I'm not saying that to be ugly with you. I'm saying that to be honest with you because the good news is there's a remedy for that. And there's something that can be done about that. Amen. Jesus Christ already went to the distance. Now it's your move. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Amen. It's your move, and it's a move you need to make, because uh, although in time past, everybody in here was dead in trespass and sin, well, aren't you thankful you're not now? And if you're in here and you still are, I can't even begin to convey how thankful you'll be to get your sins forgiven. I've never met a person that was sorry they got saved. Amen. I've met some saved people that were pretty sorry, but not sorry they weren't going to hell. And you won't be either. Amen. I'm just going through my little prayer list uh, uh, with you this morning. And uh, I was thankful that God committed his love toward me. And that while I was yet a sinner. Would you amen that? And then I'm glad God's rich in mercy. Because of all the things he needed to be rich in to save the likes of us. It was mercy. And he's rich in it. I'm glad. Take your Bible. Go to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, verse number 12. The Bible says this, Moreover, the law entered, that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That if sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, I've been saved very long. I don't know how long. Somebody got me out of Ezekiel and got me over into John and Romans. And I read this passage and I'm just reading it through and I'm soaking it up and I'm not pretending to know much. Because that's what it would have been. I would have been pretending. I really did wanted to know more about the the Savior that did what he did to save the likes of me. And uh, when I got to Romans chapter 5, I mean, I love the beginning of the chapter, but when I got to this and it said, more of the law entered. Boy, I started having flashbacks. Well, I remember the day, the day the door came off the hinges with a battering ram held by federal agents and uh, my house was invaded by a bunch of men with the, with the blue windbreakers. They all had big letters on the back. Uh, uh, FBI was there, DEA, ATF. Uh, I I'd gave $1,000 for one of them windbreakers right then because I'm the only one that didn't have one. And uh, therefore, all the M-16s, and I was an infantryman uh, 50 years ago in the Army, and I knew all about an M-16, but I, I got uh, I got a rude awakening uh, at what the business end about 10 of them looked at, because they were all pointing to me. I'm like, hold, hold on, fellas, calm down. Take me to your leader. Let's go, you know. And, uh, and the law entered, and I was taken in charge with a bunch of things. By the time the day was over... The offense abounded. I was no bonded by a federal magistrate who said this man has uh, 
He's a part of an international criminal organization with the ability to flee to avoid prosecution, which I was. Amen. He said, this man is a menace to society, which I thought was a compliment when he said it. I mean, that's what I worked at being. Amen. But uh, I'll tell you what, I didn't make bond that day. I was taken back up uh, to a cell. Amen. And you know what? It's exactly what I needed. And it was the answer to a praying mother's prayer to be uh, uh, merciful to her son, a lunatic. And that's where my life slowed down to the place where I heard uh, the gospel probably clearly for the first time, at least the first time I remember hearing it clearly. I knew I was a sinner. But I've met men that were reluctant to get saved because they just really believed that uh, that they'd done too much. I was preaching in a church in, uh, in, uh, somewhere in the Midwest, and uh, this fellow had moved there, and he was uh, a couple years older than me, he was a nice guy. He was a blessing in the community. It was a very small farming community. And uh, they tell me about him. And I met him. He was a nice guy. But they said, he's not saved. And he won't get saved. He was in Vietnam. And he fully believed that he did things that God cannot forgive. Uh, he was taught that. And again, the nice guy, friendly guy, not contentious. But nobody could. So he came to church, he came faithfully. And he even went to the altar. I preached one morning and he came to the altar. And uh, I went down and t- I talked to him during the week, not about his soul, just befriending him. And I went down there, his name was Charlie, and I got down next to him with my Bible. I said, Charlie, don't you want to get saved? He said, Brother Dave, I wish I could. I can't get saved. And I said, Charlie, why do you think that? And he told me. And I said, let me show you something, Charlie. And I opened that book to Romans chapter 5 and verse 20. It said, more of the law in there that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Amen. I said, Charlie, God's got more grace than you've got ability to sin, than I've got ability to sin, than you in here that might be thinking similarly. God's got more grace than you've got the ability to sin. And as I was praying, Charlie got saved. Charlie got saved that morning. Just from seeing, amen, kind of canceled out whatever he'd been taught or told in a, as a youth. Just going by the book. By the way, there was another lady there that morning that got saved. She was 78 years old. She had been invited to a, no, she was 88 years old. She had been invited to a revival at this same church when she was 13, something like, I think, 13 years old. She'd been invited by a friend. And uh, and uh, so that was 75 years earlier. And she came to hear a, a hell-fired, damnation-breathing evangelist preach on hell, fire-breathing. Thank you, honey. I saw that. And, uh, and she said, I knew I needed to get saved. And uh, she'd never been in church before. I knew I needed to get saved, and I just didn't. I didn't go forward. And uh, long story short, she was like, within a year or so, she was married, and she married a man that didn't go to church, and uh, and uh, never went to church again in her life. He died. He said he was a good man. He took good care of me. He was a great 
husband and father. And of course, according to the Bible, he died and went to hell. You know, great husbands and fathers go to hell. Amen. Great church members go to hell. Amen. That's why Jesus said, ye must be born again. Amen. And this lady said, uh, a friend of mine invited me to come to this revival to hear this. Hell, how was it, honey? Fire breathing, <laughs> whatever. Here there's evangelists come and preach on hell. That was me. And she said, I came. And she said, I ain't missing it this time. 88 years old. She got saved. Aren't you glad this morning that we're sin abounded? Grace did much more abound. I was praying that morning and I thanked God. I thank God for that still. Amen. Be thankful. I mean, it. if you're saved here this morning, if you're a member of this church, you get encouraged to be mindful that you need to be thankful. But let's face it, man, the care, the onslaught of the cares of this life, which are often real. There's a lot going on. This isn't some phony baloney, you know, everything's, it isn't always fine all the time. That's why we need to get closer to God. Uh, sometimes we need to have a meeting like this to get our priorities lined up back in. Say, I'm saved. Yeah, check that off the list. But this, this, this. No, it still says, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy soul and all thy mind. And so maybe a little admonition on being thankful will help us all get our priorities lined up with him again, with his. And let me say again, before I'm done, if you're in here and you're not saved, you need to be. I mean, bottom line. And if you step into eternity and you have no promise of tomorrow, you step into eternity in your current physical condition right from Temple Baptist Church and you don't make it home for whatever reason, you'll lift up your eyes in hell. And you'll do it in spite of the fact that Jesus Christ did everything necessary to keep you out. That book says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever... I got in on the whosoever clause. And if you're saved here, so did you. And if you're in here and you're not saved, you still can. And I would sure advise that you took advantage of the grace, the abundant grace of God. Whosoever believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen? The Lord wants you to be saved. He wants all men to be saved. He's not willing that any should perish. If you're in here this morning, you need to be saved. It would be... Uh, we would love to take a Bible, show you what the Bible says, answer a question. Chances are you already know what you need to do. It's just time to do it. An expression, I don't like modern expressions, but I like this one. It's time to pull the trigger on this thing. We get it here. It's time to get it here. Let's all stand. Talking about being thankful this morning. Maybe, uh, maybe again, maybe you're, uh, you know, you know these things, but, you know, the cares of this life have caused you to maybe put a little more emphasis on some things that, end of the day, God's got under control anyway. You believe that, don't you? I mean, we believe that uh, uh, that all things work together for good to them that love God. If you're a little unsure on that, maybe you better make sure your love's where it ought to be. Amen? But God's got our best interests at heart. And I'm not saying there aren't issues. We all go through things. But boy, I'll tell you what, let's be thankful for what you don't have to worry about if you're saved. And again, if you're not, wouldn't this be a 
great day to get saved. You listen to the preacher. We're here to help you. I'll tell you what. You won't regret it. You'll be like the rest of us. You'll be thankful that Jesus Christ loved you enough to make this possible.